0: Oh, praise God. So if you got your Bible still out, turn over to the book of the gospel of John chapter five, verse 19. So I want to continue today on the message that I started last week about the father's business or family business and about how God wants to wants us to operate the family business in our own kingdoms and in our own lives. You, whether you realize it or not, you have a kingdom. Your kingdom is what you're around right now. Your family, your friends, your associates, the people you do business with, that's your kingdom. That's what you have been assigned to in life. You may think they're all crazy. You may not like them. You may want to go somewhere else, but if you're connected with them right now, they're in your kingdom and God's called you to do something with them. Amen? Which is called preach the gospel. Tell them good news about Jesus. So anyway... This whole message, and you'd have to just go back because I don't want to review because if I do, I'll just keep preaching it and I'll never get on with today's message part. But uh, I talked about the family business and about if we are operating a family business, we're supposed to operate the family business like the family's nature is. And that's what is important because if you do that, then you're operating according, according to God's principles and God's plans. Amen. And so it says in John chapter five, verse 19. It says, then Jesus answered and he said unto them, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do for whatever he does. The son does also in like manner. If you want to know what God almighty is like, what your heavenly father is like, what is his nature? Like, how does he act? How does he respond? How is he going to, to handle your situations in life? What you have to do is you have to look at Jesus. And if you look at Jesus, he's. Giving you an image of the father, because Jesus says, I don't didn't do anything that I didn't see my father do. All right. Hello. So he's operating in the family business and he's going to operate the family business like the family is supposed to operate. Hello. So if you want to know who God is, just look at Jesus. Read through the scriptures, read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, look in John. Look at the way Jesus handled the people. When the woman caught in the midst of adultery, came down and fell down in front of Jesus. And everybody wanted to stone her, wanted to get Jesus. let stoner. kill her. He said. He this without sin, I'm cast the first stone. All of them got convicted left. How about the man with a withered hand? I was reading that one this morning. Goes into church. There's a man with a withered hand. I don't know what that looked like, but i you know, in my mind, I'm trying to imagine somebody with a withered hand. And, and everybody's looking and saying, let's see if he does anything. And then Jesus, in the middle of the service, he gets out and he goes and lays hand on the guy. His arm pops out. Everybody, the Pharisees get mad and say, we've got to figure out how to get rid of this guy. And to me, that story just I just look at it and I was like, what? I mean, he got healed. The man's arm was totally restored, but that's the way hearts of people are. People get so twisted and so warped when God's doing miracles in their midst, they don't see it. All right. Hello? All right. But there's a manner, Jesus, the son does also in a like manner. There's a manner of family business. There's a way that family business is supposed to operate. There is a way that we as Christians are supposed to be representing Jesus. Yes. And I realize there's a lot of Christians that do not represent Jesus well. I realize that there, that, that there are issues and problems and problems with churches, problems with pastors, problems with deacons, problems with elders, problems with just members. I understand that. But you don't throw all of everything out just because of a few rotten apples. All right. the, the gospel is true. The Bible is true. If man is weak and can't perform it, that's his problem. But the gospel is true. And what Jesus did on the face of this earth, he he is the son of God. But yet he gave himself down to, to to the to humanity and brought himself down to that level to walk on this earth. And he walked on this earth without sin. He did it. If he did it, he made a way for us that we can do it. Right. Yeah. So there's no excuse. All right. There's no excuse for being ugly. All right. There's no excuse for being being hard-hearted or whatever our only only answer is we need to be like jesus amen so here's another story luke chapter 9 verse 51 luke nine fifty-one it says "And it came to pass that when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to jerusalem and sent messengers before his face And as they went, they entered into a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, now just think of the disciples, James and John. This is John that wrote the gospel of John. This is one who laid his head on Jesus's bosom. This is John, the beloved. This is John, supposedly the great lover, right? He said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them as Elijah did. Let's just burn them all. Let's burn the village, men, women, and children. Let's call fire down from heaven and kill them all. And Jesus said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. So was... In the Old Testament, Elijah did call fire down from heaven and consumed. He actually, the fire from heaven fell and it consumed the offering that he'd given. It didn't consume the people, consumed the offering that he'd given. But then they killed all the prophets of Baal. So the principle of calling fire down from heaven was not, you know, was not unbiblical. Elijah called fire down from heaven. All right. Right? Now, only problem was, Jesus said, you got it all wrong, boys. You're out here saying, I'm to kill everybody. And I'm not about killing people. I'm about saving people. I'm about restoration. So you don't even know. So this is, look, sometimes if you think, oh, gosh, I feel so terrible because I, I, I thought wrong. This was John. All I'm saying is that by working in the grace of God and the power of God, we will grow and mature and develop. That's what we're supposed to do. But in John's early developmental days, Jesus looked at him and said, you don't even know what manner of spirit you're of. And there's a lot of Christians and they're saved and they know Jesus, but then inside them is all messed up and they don't know what manner of spirit they're of. I'm getting somewhere with this. Y'all just, just follow, just help me here. Come on. Don't, don't just look at me and say, well, I don't know what he's talking about. Y'all just, I'm leading you down a deal to then <clears throat> kick you off the edge. <laughs> I'm getting y'all to look over the edge. I like can say, no, it's there's something really nice in there. So I can go. Toosh. <laughs> now, what happens is how a person perceives their life is being correct. That's what they're going to fight for. Because you have people today. We see progressive people today out there in the world that are fighting for things like abortion. That I'm just like, what are you talking about? And, I, and I'm, 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 I'm dumbfounded. And I'm just like, you know, like I, I'm speechless of, of, of their thoughts. Like, no, nah, we ought to take it right there. I mean, kid comes out on the table. If you want to kill it, kill it. And I'm like, what? You don't even understand what manner of spirit you're of. Right? We have churches today doing things that I'm looking at. And I'm saying, dude, you don't know what manner of spirit you're of. And the only way we're going to walk in is we have to adhere to the word of God. We have to get the full counsel of God's word, not do what John did. Pull out. Well, let's call some fire down. No, we have to have the whole counsel of God's word. If you don't have the whole counsel, if you're not willing to eat it all, you got to take it all. Listen to me. Whether you want to or not, the only way the gospel is going to work in your life is that you take all of it. You do not get to pick and choose. Right. All right. Oh, I only want the. The, the swing swinging the sword, Christian, that's, that's me, that's who I am now. You've got to be the walk and love Christian too, right? I mean, do you realize the apostle Paul, he talked so much about, you know, about having care for people and getting people saved and all this. And then there was another part that he's talked about and he said, look, I think you should just take that person to turn them, turn them over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh. What? That sounds kind of severe, doesn't it? don't know how that takes place. If you want to know the doctrine of that, I don't know it. But I'm just telling you, you go through the Bible, it talks about there's rebuking, there's blessing. You got to take the whole counsel. You can't take just part of it. But what happens is people only want part of it. And most of the people out there want the part that means I can do whatever I want to and there's no consequences. I can go do whatever I want to say, whatever I want to do, whatever I want to. And there's no consequences from it. All right. right? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want God around because it makes me feel like I'm wrong. All right. So I don't want to talk about Jesus. Get crosses out of here. Get the Ten Commandments out of here. I don't want to see it. it makes me feel funny. I don't like that. I basically just want to go do whatever I want to go do. And I want you to do what I want you to do. Have you all noticed that twist on it, too? We can get along as long as you do what I want you to do. Well, good gosh. But all things, listen, all things in life, in your life, had to be tested upon the word of God. And the truth of God's word to see if it's true or not. Or you're in error. All things had to be laid on the altar and say, God, is this true or not? Now go to 2 Corinthians 5:10, 2 Corinthians chapter five, verse 10. "For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what He has done, whether good or bad. So no matter what you think, if you think you're right or not, you're going to be tested at the end. I will be tested at the end. Yeah. I'll have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And everything I've done will be tested. Kind of scary, isn't it? But I'm assured that I stay in heaven and that's all to me that really matters. All right. But everything's going to be tested. So therefore, I don't have to worry too much about what goes on in the sense of having to have justice. Because I know at the end of it, there's only going to be one just judge who judges everything. Now go to First Corinthians chapter 3. I'm getting somewhere with this. Y'all just hang on. 1 Corinthians 3.11. 1 Corinthians 3.11. For no other foundation can anyone lay... Than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold or silver, or precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he is built on is endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved yet as through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells on the inside of you? Now I've been preaching. On Wednesday night, this message about the spirit of life. I don't know that in, in the past years I've been more excited about a message than what's been going on on Wednesday nights. And I pray that you've watched it and you've looked at it and you've gone through that series because if we can understand that when we get saved, that you didn't just get saved so that you could just die and go to heaven. You got saved so that the spirit of God could be on the inside of you, that you could be the, 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 the temple of the living God and the spirit of life be on the inside of you so that then you could carry Jesus around everywhere you went and let Jesus bubble out of you all over the place and bless and touch other people. Amen. If you could just grab that revelation that God has power on the inside of you, all the power of heavens on the inside of you that was in Jesus is in you at salvation. Amen. Thank you. But knowing that and saying that, doesn't it sound like I'm just slapping my lips? I'm just, you know, I'm just, I, I'm just talking because I don't know that I see a lot of people doing it. And I'm not putting condemnation on you. I'm talking about looking at the world scene. I see so much wickedness going on. So many people that are just, you just, I mean, I knew this when I was 10 years old that what they're doing was wrong. All right. I don't have to be, you know, go to the greatest schools in the world and have the greatest doctorate and everything in there. Man, I was a 10-year-old boy. I knew what was going on was wrong. Lord. Hello? Yes. It doesn't take a lot of sense to know that this is ignorance. All right. But what people are doing is people want to do what they want to do, and then they want you to like what they do. All right. But the time is coming that God says, wait a minute, this is not going to work like this. This is not the way it should be. Christians should be operating in my power and my presence. And Christians should be flowing in the things of God so that everybody around them would be touched and would be blessed. Amen. And so when our churches start getting away from that principle how in the world are Christians going to walk and flow in the things of God if the churches aren't even flowing in the things of God there's got to be a shift there's got to be some kind of a radical earthquake shift to shake Christians awake to say hey this isn't right okay so now here we go so family business you say man you got way off somewhere no listen I'm trying to get a point. I'm trying to get across to you this morning about family business, the way God operates and the way God thinks and the way God's nature is so that you can understand as, a, as the spirit of life is on the inside of you. You can operate in the same principles. OK, right. so the first principle is simply this. God is a God of mercy. I cry. I pray all the time. Lord, what are you doing? Goodness gracious, put an end to this. Come back. Do something. Break open and revival. Smoke. Let some fire fall, God. And then God takes me to the scripture and says, Hey John, how you doing? You don't know what manner of spiritual and I'm praying, oh God, let I burn. Are y'all with me? I mean, come on, give me an amen. Don't make me feel like I'm the only person to ever think these thoughts. Come on. I mean, I'm just like saying, oh, God, just do something you know, one town, Sodom and Gomorrah type situation. Fire and brimstone fall from sky. Just just one. It could be a small town. (laughs) Just something to show forth. And and then God says, no, no, you've missed the nature. My nature. My, My nature is is mercy. So I looked up the word mercy. And the word mercy means this kindness. Our goodwill towards. Listen, this is what it says. I promise you, this is what the uh, Greek dictionary says. Kindness or goodwill towards the miserable and the afflicted. Joined with a desire to help them. When I read that, I was like, wow. Kindness and goodwill towards the miserable That's what mercy means, kindness and goodwill towards the miserable. And then I thought, Lord, you know, only mercy, mercy then only works if the person realizes they're miserable. Think about that for a minute. I ran into a a person that, uh, man, I don't know how you describe them. It was six o'clock in the morning, off in another town. Uh, we were going fishing. I was trying to get some fuel, and I was filling up my vehicle. And then I turned around, and this person was there, lady of the night, something. And I just, I was just like this, six o'clock in the morning, not too sharp, sure, hadn't had enough coffee yet. And I turned, oh man, they're just, there, are standing right there. And uh, man, they were high on drugs, you know, tweaking out. Twitching and flipping and whatever and 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 I started trying to talk to them and uh, and there was no conversation. I mean there was it was it was they were they were out of their mind. And I, I looked at the person and I thought to myself, do they know they're miserable? Or has this just become their life and this is just who they are and they're just happy being who they are right there and they, do they know they're miserable? Because if a person knows they're miserable, they're seeking help. Hello. Yes. But it says mercy. I read that definition again is kindness or goodwill towards the miserable and the afflicted joined with a desire to help them. But a person can only receive mercy when they realize they're miserable. Right. There's a lot of people out there in the world. They don't know they're miserable and they're not seeking God's mercy. Right. Right. They're not turning to God at this time. No. They're turning to Whatever the government and this and that and the other to, to get them what they want, but they don't realize they're miserable and they're dangerous because when they're, when they're when you get to a place like that, you don't know you need help. You're not crying out to God. But every person who cries out to God, man, God extends mercy right off the bat because that's its nature. So then I never going to ask God, what's the difference between mercy and grace? And this is the definition of God. Mercy's not giving the person what they deserve. That's mercy. Grace is giving them a way out. Think about that. Mercy's not giving you what you deserve. You showed mercy. Grace is then giving them a way to move out, a path, a plan. Go to Matthew 13, 57. You remember when Jesus... This is not the scripture, but I mean, I want you to turn to Matthew 13, 57. While you're turning that, I'm going to give you another one. But you remember when Jesus went to his hometown and he, it says, this is a sad statement. It says he could do no mighty works there because the people didn't have any belief. Jesus, the son of God's in town, mercy, showing mercy and grace. He's in town showing mercy and grace, but he couldn't do anything there. You know why? Because people, it says, didn't believe in him. Didn't believe he was the son of God. Didn't believe he was the answer. People want to say, God, why aren't you doing something? Why aren't you moving? Why isn't something happening? Why aren't you doing anything? Because people don't believe God's the answer. Most people the, that, that don't have anything to do with God, the only feelings they have towards God, if they have any at all, is anger that he didn't do something they wanted him to do. Right. And then there's Christians who you know they never learned they never grew they never developed in their christianity and so then therefore they don't really have anything to do with god that is glad for his mercy in the beginning and then you know that's kind of it matthew 13:57 and 58 says so they were offended at him because jesus said to them a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house and he did not do any mighty works there because of their unbelief that's what he that's what he told them because of their unbelief now go here to where i wanted wanted you to go i read the wrong scripture but anyway James 2.14, James 2.14, the book of James 2.14. There's a debate, and I, I'm not going to tell you which, which, which is right because I, I can't say that I 100% agree with either side, but there's a, a debate that James here uh, was actually the half-brother of Jesus And that the James with John, that was a different James. And then some people say, no, it was the same James. And so I just got to thinking about it. I said, what if it was the same James? that wanted to call fire down from heaven, James and John? I mean, I just was toying with this idea. I just thought kind of how funny it would be that this is his now, if this is the same James. You had John developed from calling far down from heaven to being the great thing in the book of Revelation and everything that he did, and then what if this was the same James that wanted to call far down from heaven but now became the, the pastor of the church in Jerusalem and wrote James, okay? I don't know that it is. Just enjoy that. James 2, 14, it says, what does it profit my brother? And if someone says he has faith, but he does not have works, can faith save him? If a brother or a sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you say to them, depart in peace and be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which they need for the body, what does it profit? So in other words, James is trying to say, look, you can talk about how great your faith is, but is there any works to go along with it? And what I'm saying to the world this morning is you can say you're a Christian. Oh, yes, I believe in Jesus, but I'm asking you what kind of works, what kind of manner of spirit are you of and what works are going with your faith? Where is the fruit? That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that to all the pastors and all the churches out there in the world. Where's your fruit? What's going on? Because you can't keep saying you're a Christian and that's your faith, but you have no works. If you're not rescuing orphans Jesus said well, the, he said this, is, this in, in James here he said this is the essence of religion you're asking orphans and widows what are you doing so when I look at the world I just look to see if there's any fruit being born is there any fruit coming out of whatever institution is there fruit coming from it if it's bearing fruit well then it's God if it's not bearing fruit it's not end of story just cut bait and run Get away from it. Okay? So I'm talking about mercy. Mercy being the thing that Jesus, I mean, that God has shown us. Okay. So look at Matthew 9:12. 9, Matthew 9.12. I'm still getting there. I've got you right on the edge. Haven't quite got you kicked over. Matthew 9:12 says, Then Jesus heard that they, what they said, that he said to them. And those who are well have no need of physician, but those who are sick. But I go to learn what it means. I, I, I go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. God's a God of mercy. And he's saying, look, I'll, I'm more interested in can you show mercy? than you can go out and do sacrifices. Hmm. I'm not interested in the great sacrifices you do. I'm actually interested, can you show mercy? It's what the Lord's saying. Do you have a nature of mercy? In other words, you're out there and you have compassion on those that are afflicted, those that are lost, miserable, and you desire to help them. So this is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for this kind of a person, okay? He said, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance, now go to Ephesians chapter two. Now I'm gonna start pushing. Ephesians two one. Ephesians two one. And you, who's he talking about? You, right? Yeah. Everybody say me. me. He made alive who were dead in their trespasses and sin. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we are all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desire of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, everybody say mercy. He was rich in mercy because of his great love for which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. He made us alive together in Christ, for by grace you have been saved. Amen. Woo! Amen. There is, listen to me, folks. Right now, you say, well, God never did anything for me. Boom. God showed you great mercy, showed me great mercy. He didn't kill me. He didn't smoke me when I deserve to be smoked. Amen. You remember in the uh, right after they got through at the tabernacle and they started going in there and that uh, Aaron's son, they went in there and they brought in strange fire and they went in to offer strange fire on the altar, I swip them up in them in the little dust pans. That's what we all deserved. That's what each and every one of us deserved because there's none right. No, not one. We've all fallen short and sinned. But God, everybody say, "But but God, man, but God showed us mercy. He looked towards the miserable. And the afflicted. And wanted to help. Okay, now just follow me here. So right now, this morning, the world is extended mercy. They're extended mercy by God. Right. Right? So mercy is not giving you what you deserve. And what's grace? Grace is making a way out. So then the grace is here. By grace, you have been saved. How do we get saved through Jesus? Grace is that extension of then Jesus going to the cross, Paying the price for each and every one of us. Dying on the cross, shedding his blood for us. He didn't have to. Could have called 12 legions of angels and killed everybody in the world. But he didn't. And they extended us grace a way out. A way to change, a way to grow, a way to be a blessing, a way not to be influenced with the things of this world. A way not to be influenced by the devil and his schemes. Mm -hmm. It's called grace in Jesus. But now listen to me, church. Listen to me. It's where a lot of people get off. Oh, God's extended mercy. God's extended grace to me so I can go do whatever you want. No, no, because if you don't take God's mercy and you don't take God's grace, there's nothing left for you except God's wrath. And people keep seem to forget about this. You know, in the early days, and in, 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 in I'm talking the 1900s, late 1800s, 1900s, they were fire. They called them fire and brimstone preachers. Everybody's preaching about hell, right? right? Well, again, there was a principle that was right. But what happened was is then they took it to the far deal and got everybody in bondage and, you know, got off. But I'm just saying we, people need to wake up and realize there is the wrath of God. And when a person rejects mercy and he rejects grace, the only thing left is the wrath. Why do we have jails? The Bible says in Romans 13, we have jails because people that did not accept God's grace, did not accept God's mercy, and who went against the law, the, the law of the land had to be contained. I'm paraphrasing all that. Go look it up. That's what it says. They had to be stuck in jails, and, and police were supposed to be the avengers of God upon the wicked. Folks, there are, some, there, there are things that, that our little country minds haven't even thought up that are taking place in the world today. Human trafficking on a scale like's never been known before. People being just, I mean, it just, it's just horrible to even think about what is taking place with human lives and, and how people have placed a low value on human lives and what they're doing to people. Have no, no, no quorum with children and whatever. It's just horrible. It's, 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 it's so demonic. It's just nothing but a devil could think it up. Okay? Something that came from the pit of hell. And God's grace and his mercy has been extended to those people. Or let me say it this way. His mercy and his grace has been extended to those people. They could get saved. They could turn their life around. They could come into Jesus and find how how loving and great it is and find the love of God and get the, the truth of the word into their life and get that down inside of them. And when they got that down on the inside of them could begin to grow and nurture and begin to bear fruit. They could do that. But if they don't, the next thing that comes is the wrath of God. And, folks, I want to tell you something. You don't want to be on God's bad side because you're not going to win. But, do you know it's so crazy because if you go read the book of Revelations and get all the way to the end of it and start reading that, it says that people literally will see the heavens roll back and, and they'll see God and they'll say, Go away, we don't want you. Crawl in rocks and dens and the, try to let the rocks hide them. What? I mean, that it doesn't make any sense to me. At that point, you better just, man, eat dirt and say, oh, God. But people will become that hardened, that lost, that 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 extreme that they will not cry out to God. They will not take his grace, his mercy, and his grace. And God's saying to us that. If we're going to operate in the family business, we have to understand these principles of mercy and grace. But if you've offered mercy and you've offered grace, the only thing left is wrath. And that's where Paul gets into all of his rebukes when people won't change. People are hurting the gospel and stopping the gospel and say, go rebuke them. But it's the family business. Mercy is something that we should extend. Because it was extended to us. It says, let me read on a little bit more here. I'll read this again. It says, by grace you have been saved and raised up together and made to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Look what the grace did for you. God made a way. He said, look, I want you to come on up here with me and learn the family business. I want you to sit down here and there's no better place you're going to learn it than right here beside me at the throne. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness in us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not of works, least in which boast boast. In other words, God's done it. He extended it out. He poured it out. And that's all there is to it. You can't earn it. You can't be Mrs. Mr. or Mrs. Goody Two Shoes and, and, and get favor from God. God doesn't have favorites. All right. We're all his favorites. He's extended the same amount of grace and mercy to all of us. Amen. Hello? But if you don't want to work in the system, listen to me, if you don't want to work in God's system, then the foolishness of that is there's nothing left but wrath. There's only one system that works, God's system. And if you're going to go work some other system, it is not going to work. You can't call yourself a Christian and say, I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to I'm going to to, you know, I'm going to hate my brother. I mean, I could get really specific here. But I know y'all know what I'm talking about. I don't have to get cut off the internet by saying these things. All right. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah. There's things going on in the world today. It's, it's debauchery. And they're saying, oh, no, we can do that because God loves everybody. No, you either line up or you get the wrath. All right. There's nothing else. There's no other choice. Right. You can't invent a new gospel. And people don't want to invent a new gospel. And say, well, we can do this or we can do that. And it's OK because God's rich in mercy and grace. No. No. Go to Hebrews chapter four, verse 16. Now, let me show you this. I want to end in a good note. So how are you going to develop mercy in your life? It's the nature of the family business. You've got you to develop mercy in your life. Hebrews four sixteen tells us. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. So you can obtain mercy. Folks, when you begin to realize how much you have been forgiven, then it makes it real easy to forgive. Hello. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of y'all. Well, don't raise your hand. Don't say anything. I'm just going to say it. It's a rhetorical question. Uh, How many of you, your children, you've had to tell them no before in life? And then you told them no, and they didn't like no. Because they wanted to do what they wanted to do. I'm learning all these things. My new puppy. It's puppy training. Woof. It's exactly the same as raising children, except they don't talk back. And you say no, but they want to do it, right? And then you have to have more discipline, right? But you see what what happens today is the world wants to sit back and say, "Oh, well, no, I just want mercy and grace." No, there's a discipline too coming in the nourishment of everything, Nourish, nourishing nurturing way of God to continue to get us to grow and to grow and to grow and to grow and and develop and to be productive Christians hello but you can't obtain mercy the way you obtain mercy look let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace where that we may obtain mercy where was mercy obtained at the throne in God's presence you're not going to have any mercy if you don't If you're not in God's presence, you're not going to have mercy unless you spend time in the presence of the one who's merciful and was merciful to you. If you don't know God's presence, you're not going to know mercy. Because God is mercy and his love. If you don't know God's presence, if you don't know what it means to go sit on your porch with a glass of iced tea and sit there and watch a sunset and feel touched by God. Well, it is 105. So let me rephrase that. Maybe a sunrise. You know. So let me rephrase that. That may be a tough spot. You may feel sweat running down the side of your head, not the presence of God. But you follow what I'm saying. You've got to have these times. This morning, I sat there and I was reading my Bible, and I looked up, and there was a a a a young cardinal sitting in a limb on on uh, uh, you know right outside my. glass of my door, and I'm just sitting there reading, and I'm watching this beautiful, beautiful red cardinal sitting there doing whatever he's doing, and I'm just saying, man, God, it's so amazing, and I started just talking to him like this. I was into, God, God, God get the people in today from the north, southeast, and west, bring them in here, let them hear the word of God, Lord, let me preach good, da, da. and then I just got off, saw the red bird. I'm like, <laughs> man, Lord, what a beautiful thing you, that you made a bird that they're all not just like you just said, I don't have time to mess with birds. Make them all gray and black. Are you with me? A painted bunny. I, you know, I don't know a lot about birds. And, and not until one day I became aware of that there was birds besides dove and quail. <laughs> that I, I bought a bird book to find out what a bird, you know, certain birds were. And uh, I don't do I'm not really big into bird watching, but I did, when they light in my tree out there, I kind of like to know what it was. And so I started finding about this Orioles and, you know, different birds. And I was just looking at them. And I was just like, look at that God! You're so intricate. I mean, the world is warped, Lord. Like I'm, I'm talking to him as of today. So the world is warped. It's falling to pieces. And people are crazy. This and stuff and debauchery and everything's going on. And you got time to feed that red bird. How amazing you are that you care about all the things, the little things. You care about the little things in my life, the worries and the concerns and all that. And it makes my heart melt in his presence because I'm thinking, God, you are so amazing. Why am I worried about this? Why am I getting concerned about this? It says that you, if you can feed them, you can take care of me. Are you all with me? Yes. Yeah church. This is what it's like when you understand mercy. When you start spending time in God's presence, then all of a sudden you become merciful. You're like, oh, you're just afflicted and miserable. Let me tell you about Jesus. Right. You start looking at things differently. Micah 7, 18 it says, who is like God? You pardon iniquity. You pass over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage, he does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He said, who is this God who who pardons iniquities and does all these things and you just delight in mercies? As humans, we always want justice, but God is a God of mercy. Remember mercy, kindness, or goodwill towards the miserable and the afflicted joined with a desire to help them? So let me leave you with this. Romans 12, 1. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, by the mercies of God, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, The mercy where he didn't pour out upon you what you deserved. Where he didn't give you what you rightfully earned and deserve. That the least we could do was present our bodies as a living sacrifice to him. Holy and acceptable. And do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So if you wanna walk in mercy, you wanna follow the nature of the business, and you wanna walk in mercy, you're gonna have to realize that God did not give you what you deserved. And you spend time in his presence because at the throne is where you start to learn about mercy. And then you begin to realize that the world around you is afflicted. The world around you is afflicted and miserable. And you can have mercy for them. But understand what I'm saying here this morning, church, walking in mercy doesn't mean a doormat because even God himself says, I've given you mercy. I've given you grace. And then the next thing that's left is my wrath. Amen. So can you do it? You got to ask yourself the question. Can you do it? Can you learn to walk in mercy because you spent time in God's presence and you realize how much you've been forgiven? Amen. Close your Bibles. I kicked you off the ledge. I'm just going to let you fall now. Pray you get it in your heart before you hit the bottom. Stand up if you would. Can I have a prayer team come down. I pray that if anybody is watching the broadcast today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you heard the words today. God has extended to you mercy and he has extended to you grace that through Jesus you can grow and develop. And all the Bible says you need to do is accept Jesus Christ. He's the one who paid the price for you. If you want God's mercy and want God's grace, well, then accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Pray and say, Jesus, come into my life. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on a cross for me. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your blood and make me part of the family of God. And he will right there. He will right there wherever you're at. If you're in the building today and you're not sure about the grace and the mercy of God, you're not sure that if you died, you would go to heaven. That's why our prayer team is up here this morning to pray with you and lead you to the Lord. Pray a simple prayer with you. We're not going to lock you down. We're not going to make you, you know, do something crazy. We just want you to know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and walk in his grace and mercy. Amen. And so don't leave this building today if you're not sure. That you're in the kingdom of God, because I'm telling you, the world out there is a bad place. And so we're going to make it better by being merciful and having fruit in our life. Amen. Amen. So look at the person beside you and say, you got to walk in mercy. Now, I'm going to pray for you. Father, I just pray over every person today that's been in the sound of my voice that, Lord, they didn't hear my voice, but they heard your voice and that you spoke to their hearts. They realize, Jesus, what you did for us, the great sacrifice you made for us and what you forgave us. Thank you, oh, God, for giving us mercy. Thank you, oh, God, for the grace in Jesus. And, Lord, I ask today that we as Christians, that we would walk in, 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 in the nature of the business and be a blessing to all those around us, be a blessing to everyone in this world, all the people around us, Lord God, we could be true examples of light. In the midst of darkness. So, Lord, bless the people as we go today. Bless their week. Bless their time, Lord God, that they will bear fruit and it will bring joy to you. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. We're here to pray if you need us.